Hi. Welcome to this edition of Road Trippin'. I'm your host, Allie Clifton, running solo here inside the studios due to the current climate of COVID-19, but not entirely solo. My guys, they're pulling through. They're running alongside as well, as we know, from his home in Portland, Oregon, Channing Fry is back. Hello. Okay, not that not that kind of energy, my friend. Um, and then from the NBA campus in Orlando, in quarantine, out of quarantine, not really sure. Is it Groundhog Day for you, Richard Jefferson? Hello. Yes, it is Groundhog Day. I have I have been out of this room in the last four days for a total of forty minutes. Wow. That sounds yes. rough. We're gonna dive into it because I've just learned that someone has the same take as myself. When it comes to the both of you, he is so excited to replace me here inside the middle of the both of you. Uh, he's a resident of SoCal, according to the internet. We'll see how true that is. Apparently, he just placed his roots back down. Uh, longtime NBA coach, whether he's an assistant or in that head chair, and I consider him one of the best walking sound bites there is. David Fisdale. Thanks for joining us, yeah. Fizz. Uh, what's up, guys? What's up? How excited are you to be placed between these two fine gentlemen? Oh, my goodness. I, just, I knew, I, like I told you before, I knew I would be doing something involving these two. It's just, uh, I just wasn't sure what it was going to be, but uh, I'm glad to be on the road tripping with you gentlemen. Fizz, Fizz just wishes that he could speak freely. Right? <laughs> That's it. In He's sitting here ways. like, I wish I could say. Ways. In a lot of ways, I wish I could say what's really on my mind. Because uh, we've known yeah. Finn. I've known Finn since I was pretty much like a, a rookie, high school, college. I don't even know when the first time I met Finn. It's been 20 years. It's been 20 years for sure. We got 20 under the belt for sure. So it's been a long time. Oh. That's why I say I knew something between you two. I, I just wish we, like I was just saying, I wish we was in like a VW van, like a 70s van. <laughs> And we was just hitting cities, you know. I thought, actually, when I looked in your background, Richard, I thought you was in Tucson with those cactuses uh, up on the wall behind you. I forgot you was in a bubble. Cacti. Cactus and cacti. Is this, you know, yeah. Can I please enlighten you all for what I am actually saying? I just said it. David Fisdale is the one of the best walking sound bites. And as you may or may not already realize that, I mean, look at him. <laughs> Look at, yeah, look, look at his hit now. If we're going to talk about backgrounds, I see Barack Obama <laughs> in the back. I see, yeah, like, well, like yeah, see, this is completely staged. This is completely staged. Yeah, I've been doing television now since I have no stage set. I'm, I'm completely staged back here. I've got my whole championship set up back oh. here. You know, I almost, I almost grabbed my rings out of the safe and had them on the, on the back, you know, just <laughs> so I could show off. We're, we're not big enough ring. for the rings. Is that what it is? No, you guys are. Y'all get it. Y'all both got hardware. Y'all get it. Y'all know what's up. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of rings, too, Fizz, um, you're good friends as well, uh, having coached him as well, uh, with Dwayne Wade. And I think that's what you're representing on your chest, too, right? This is his, uh, yeah, this is his kid's um, uh, clothing line, Zaire Wade's clothing line. And so... He was bagging on my clothes that I had on one day, and I told him, give me some new clothes. And so I, a couple of days later, I had a bag full of young DNA gear. So here's my young DNA right here. I'm representing. So it's That's actually nice. 99. You've got all the yeah, you know? Uh Fizz, <laughs> let's get into you. What is it like a day in the life of David Fizdale? Was I right? You're back in SoCal? You planted some roots back here? Uh, 
I'm back in SoCal. We go back and forth to Miami, uh, but my family is all here. And so, you know, obviously with my wife pregnant and with everything going on with COVID, we're trying to stay, you know, settled down in one place. So we're spending most of our time in California, but we're bouncing around a little bit. Guys, do we just jump right into it? Do we just talk about yes. the amount of yes. coaching vacancies yes. there are currently? Um, the fact yes, that, yeah, I mean, let's just go there. Let's get right into it. Which one seems like the best okay, one? Here we go. There we go. Which one seems like the best one? Just on paper. So what do we got right now that's open? We got, got New Orleans. Yep. Chicago. Yeah. Indiana. Oklahoma yep. City. Uh-huh. And Philadelphia. Houston. <laughs> oh, listen. It's only 30 NBA jobs. So coaches, you know, most of us are trying to fight for our lives just to get one of those jobs. Uh, but out of those jobs, I think, you know, really intriguing, obviously, is what, to be able to coach a guy like Zion or the combination of Ben Simmons and Embiid. You know, you, you, you just talk about so many different uh, quality things about each job from a personnel standpoint. I like the young kids in Chicago. Those guys are, are got a chance to be really good. Um, so, you know, I, I just think it's, it's really going to be based on, you know, finding the right fit for those jobs. But I see quality and value in each one of those jobs. And, and you know, with the right coach, each one of those jobs can take a step forward. So Stephen A. talked a little bit about, uh, you know, the Steve Nash situation and, and really saying that he was able to jump, you know, in front of the line. And, and me and him went back and forth that you were you were on yeah, actually I the to show it, yeah. together. And, and we, yeah, and we kind of we kind of disagreed. I understood the point that he was trying to make about like Steve Nash getting a 50 win team in his first year coaching. That very, very, very ra rarely happens ever. But when I start looking at the landscape of all the coaching jobs, there's a bunch of potential 50-win teams um, that are going to be up, like Indiana, potential 50-win team, uh, New Orleans, Philadelphia. You know, I was really more taken in your conversation with Stephen A. Uh, obviously, the NBA is fighting to get, you know, to a better place when it comes to uh, more opportunities for, for minorities uh, in the coaching ranks. Uh, and there was a time, I remember I was just talking to Mike Woodson, when he was head coach, I think, at uh, the Knicks, I think it was like 13 black head coaches. So it was a little more closer to half. So we need to get back closer to that, not just hiring black coaches, just to hire them, but because these guys are really qualified and there's some good coaches out there. But when it comes to Steve, I just look at his situation different because of what he accomplished as an ex-player. Um, you know, you're talking about a two-time MVP, self-made point guard MVP. Um, you know, that is unique and special. And, and very rarely do we see a guy do something like what Steve Nash did. I played against Steve for four years at Santa Clara USD, our old WCC battles. And Steve was a heck of a player. He was MVP of our conference. You know, we had some great battles, and none of us saw oh, he MVP. took out Arizona. He, he, he took yeah, out he Arizona. Took out Arizona. Arizona. He was the he, first. He used first to remind me of that all team. the time. <laughs> yep, yep. He took out Arizona, and but no one saw MVP. 
And when that, mm-hmm. when when Steve really figured it out personally and began to mature as a man and really attack his game a certain way and his nutrition and his diet and all of that kind of stuff, and that came together with D'Antoni and Phoenix and that style of play all came together, we, we watched some, some beautiful basketball. And, and we watched a guy really orchestrate a team really close to the finals. If, if Who was it that stepped on the court that game? Against the Spurs uh, when the fight uh, Amari. happened. Amari. Yeah. Amari. I mean, and maybe Amari. Maybe. That yeah. could have been the difference in the series right there, them going to the finals with that team. And so, you know, he's unique to me from that standpoint. He's a guy that I think will be able to build a team. He's a guy that I really believe will be able to connect to Kyrie from a point guard standpoint and help Kyrie understand the importance of needing people. And, and winning people over and not pushing people away and not letting people get close to you. He can help him with that. See, Nash high-fives more than any human being in the history of basketball. No. He's the high-five. It's like a volleyball, <laughs> right? It's like, remember, you know, you go to a volleyball match and it's everybody high-fives every point, and it's like, that was Steve Nash. And so, and now you're talking about his relationship with KD. You know, that's important that your star and your coach have a great relationship, and that's already baked into what uh, beforehand, you know, with their time in Golden State. So I look at Steve a little bit different, and, and I thought you brought up some great uh, examples of comparisons from the standpoint of, uh, you know, uh, T. Lou and guys like that, uh, Derek Fisher and people. Derek Fisher, uh, Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd. Yeah, Jason Kidd. I thought T. Lou inherited his team, so it was a little different. Uh, but, but, again, guys have gotten opportunities. I just think we still have to get to a place where – uh, you know, the people making these decisions, one, look like us, uh, you know, where we get more people in front offices, but also, two, where these front office folks really get to know the pool of guys uh, that's out there and, and really begin to build their their net of, of candidates, uh, you know, to get more opportunities in the door. Fizz, I just want yeah. to take it no, one, st- yeah, one step further from that. So after that main focus and priority, getting those in position uh, to make that hire that, as you just mentioned, look like yourself. When you think of the Steve Nash, and you mentioned it, the relationship he already has with a guy like Kevin Durant and the relationship he can certainly have, he already does have to an extent with Kyrie Irving. For you, what is important when it comes to that coaching role and what you're looking and want always to have? Is it that relationship with players? Is there something else there to it? What is important to you? Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a couple of things, but I do think the relationship is, is a critical piece uh, with your star. You have to be able to coach your star. I just really believe that. You have to be able to, you know, you can't be on him 24-7, on his head all the time. But you got about five to seven, you know, uh, shots in there that you got to be able to really coach your star in front of your team. And so... I think that, especially with dealing with the team that Steve's taking over, those guys have to allow him to hold them accountable and not go against it when he's really pushing them out of their comfort zone. Again, this guy has held that MVP trophy twice, so he understands player development. He understands system development. He understands the the process of things. And so he's going to push them, and they have to allow that. And I just think that's a real key component. You know, when it comes to just the inner team workings. But when it comes to the big picture, I think uh, symmetry throughout the organization of really how to uh, attack, um, you know, moments of accountability, how to attack moments of adversity, 
uh, how to support each other, uh, you know, what are the standards of the, of the organization, you know, is everybody following that from top to bottom, bottom to top, uh, I think is just a real critical piece uh, in the success. It's not just talent, because when you get to the top, the best teams are there. I think it's those organizations that really throughout have, uh, have a symmetry when it comes to the vision and the, uh, the execution of that vision. Up next on Road Trippin'. You know, so many times, you know, people get caught up in, oh, the coach has to hold them accountable. But ultimately, the star player does make like three times more, <laughs> four times more than the head coach. Like, there's only so much, you know, that the head coach can do. I wanted to ask you one question about your time in Miami, your fun, fun time in Miami, <laughs> like top to bottom. I'm talking about from, you know, the ownership and, and Pat Riley all the way down to the 15th man. It seems like everyone's always pushing in the same direction. And if someone's not pushing in the same direction, they don't last there, last long there. Like if you could tell like the fans out there is like, hey, this is why Miami every couple years always gets to the top and they're never ever ever at the very very bottom well i think the big thing with them is is their mission never changes from if they have a 15 win team or if they have a 60 win team it's always about trying to get to a championship uh, and, and the way they communicate that throughout the organization to every single person and, and letting those people understand this is the goal here is your role in, in, in accomplishing this goal. Here are the, 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 the you know, non-negotiables within our organization, the things that, that we cannot stand for, the things that we cannot tolerate, the things that we, you know, basically our foundation. And, you know, you feel it from day one, the minute you walk in the door, that there is, you know, a complete level of accountability in the building. And it's not like, um, it's not like, uh, you know, I would say, where you feel like you're in jail or something and you can't do anything. And it's like, you know, everybody's like military. And no, it's not like that, but it is. Yeah, because like, Pat, uh, Pat Riley said, he goes, he goes, man, he sees some guys on a training table and he'd be like, man, I guess you guys don't like playing in Miami. Right? Like he knows, he knows that there's a fun aspect to it. And then he holds guys accountable on top of it. Yeah, he letting you know that you're looking a little chunky. And that that, body, <laughs> that weight and body fat test is coming real soon. And he's going to be pinching on you to see where you at. And if you're not there, there's a chance you might miss a game or two. And so, you know, when you know that that is what it is and there's no there's certain things that you can't there's no wiggle room on. There's no gray area on. You are there to play basketball, to work at getting better at basketball. You are there to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And that echoes throughout the building. You know, I always like to point out. You know, one of the most awesome moments for me in my time in Miami was the moment when we gave everyone that works for the Heat a championship ring. And this is something Pat's always done. And what we did is we lined up the tunnel. The team and the coaches lined up the tunnel that the players usually go out to the game. And we had a table set up. And every employee, the ushers, you know, everybody came through got a ring, and they high-fived everybody, hugged everybody, if you knew them, uh, which we all kind of knew each other. It was all like a big family. But every single person got a championship ring, and I just thought, wow, that you're talking about culture and, and really trying to build something that's that's lasting and something that will, you know, people will try to copy. Um, 
you know, that's the way to do it. And, uh, you know, I just really believe that it's, it's something that is unspoken in a lot of ways. Pat will, Pat will tighten it up when he feels like he needs to. Spo will tighten it up when he feels like he needs to. But it runs itself in a lot of ways, and it's evolving and all of these things, but it stays true to itself, and it, it keeps to, to real principles that ultimately lead to team success. In San Antonio, <laughs> what they have, they have everyone's name up on the list in the weight room. And then they have, like, January 1st, they have your weight and your body fat. And then it'll be, like, January 10th, your weight and your body fat. And so it's like all of a sudden if you went up three pounds and they checked your body fat and it went up 1.5%, that everyone knows and everyone yeah. sees. And so then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, if it goes another month and now you can see that you're up 3% body fat and you've gained seven pounds, like – that is something that is on the board. And so they don't let it get out of control. They're literally monitoring. And you're thinking like, oh, well, that seems excessive. But also, we've seen championships won by a fraction of an inch. We've seen championships lost by, like, the, like you know, there's shots, game-winning shots where a person misses the ball by that much. And if you're seven pounds over, if you're 230, <laughs> right, or if you're 237 instead of 230, that's the difference between blocking a shot or not. So it's like... The, the 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 devil is in the details, right? That's where it is, and they have mastered the details. Go ahead. And and, and I think uh, you know what you're talking about is 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 complete accountability. They do that so that the coaches don't have to go to the players mm -hmm. and say you you're gaining weight. Another player is going to see that and walk straight up to that guy and say, "Hey, man, what's going on?" Like. You putting on weight like crazy, like, are you okay? Like, we need you to be in great shape. And so when the players are holding each other accountable to doing things a certain way, you know, that, that's going to impact the whole team, that's when you got something special. You know, so many times, you know, people get caught up in, oh, the coach has to hold them accountable and the coach has to do this and the coach has to do that. Well, you know, ultimately, the star player does make like three times more, <laughs> four times more than the head coach. Like, it's only so much. You know that the head coach could do like he really? needs a billet sometimes to hold four the star times more, four times more. Some of these well, guys are making forty million dollars, man. That's think like ten okay. times. Okay. More. okay, let me. It's even more than that. It's more than that. But think about like, you know, I, I give you a perfect example. So Mike Conley was making thirty-five million a year. I was making two million a year. What if Mike Conley, you know? See what I'm saying? That, that's a huge difference. So you need everybody. Like, it's not something I could just be, like, trying to go at Mike like I'm that guy and then don't have backing. Like, you have to have a real village to hold, you know, every single person in the building accountable. Um, and I think that's what the, the really great coaches, the Spurs and all those, it's accountability from the bottom to the top. So even if Mickey Harrison wasn't doing something right, he knows that a star player within the organization or Pat go tell him, hey, man, what you doing? Fizz, he doesn't <laughs> like, fit. Ricky, I can't even remember a time that he wouldn't do anything right, to be honest with you. But ultimately, everybody is held under the same standard, under the same umbrella, the same culture, and everyone tries to live up to it. And when you don't, you'll hear about it. Fizz, these two guys don't, they don't, um, they can't relate to the whole Mike Conley made $35 million, you made $2 million, because they think that they carried LeBron James to a championship in Cleveland. They, they don't think of I mean, it the other way around, so. We did. We were very rested. We were rested by the finals. Channing, what did you say? Underpaid for your efforts. Yeah. You were underpaid say, for your I, efforts. He's welcome. All those sweeps, all of those sweeps made sure he was real rested.
Uh, yeah. listen, listen, sometimes he didn't talk. even have to play in the fourth quarter. Thank you. Listen. <laughs> see, see, the, see, the messed up part for you guys, that people, they should keep a stat on this. Spacing should be checked off in the stat box. As, yeah, I've the been guy, saying LeBron, this. LeBron gets a dunk, right? LeBron walks to the rim, gets a dunk, and that five man doesn't want to help. Well, there's a reason he don't want to help. There's a guy named Chetty Fry standing in that corner that'll lace you up if you help. So I think that that should be like a statistical category of your man didn't help because he's afraid of you. Up next on Road Trippin'. He caused a huge controversy with the whole Pippin, you know, uh, <laughs> deal. But, but I figured if anybody was going to start a controversy, it would be RJ. Fizz, what have you thought of the playoffs so far? Obviously, Miami is just sitting around watching everyone else, speaking of. Uh, I, I thought, you know, under the circumstances, which, you know, how these guys have handled it has been incredible. Uh, I thought I think it's been a great playoffs. Um, some really exciting moments. I mean, the, the, the Boston-Toronto series is as fun a series. I want them to play like nine games because it's just it's such it's such a fun basketball series to watch and to watch the coaches go back and forth with their adjustments and, and really the tip for tat with the players and, and you know the fact that OG made that huge shot. I mean think about that. That was three oh. They were cooked. Yeah. And he makes that big shot, you know, because uh, you don't come back. It's just no way. You're not coming back from three oh. Uh, I think with the Heat and the Bucks, you saw a, a matchup issue. Uh, I really thought that that you know if the Heat got to the Bucks, they can really give them some problems just because of the personnel. I've always felt like if the Bucks had one really big time shooting playmaking guard uh, to play next to Giannis, because I think people get so used to Giannis handling the ball that they forget he's a power forward. Uh, but he is a power forward, and good power forwards, the ones that have won on the highest levels, have always played with an all-star, Hall of Fame type of guard for the most part. And and that's no knock. I said this on another uh, show. It's no knock on Bledsoe or, or George Hill, but if we could combine them and make them into one guy, that would be the guy that Giannis needs <laughs> to play next to him because if, if the guy is off the ball, he can space the floor. If the guy has the ball, he can make a play. When Giannis is out of the game, can this guy go get it? You know, in the game, can he make the shot? Um, I think that's what, you know, and that's what, that was the big, you know, you caused a huge controversy with the whole Pippen, you know, uh, <laughs> deal. But but I figured if anybody was going to start a controversy, it would be RJ because RJ Thank just you. likes to poke the bear a little bit. But Thank you. But I think it was, but, 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 but wait, but it, it, that's, not, yeah. that's not controversial. But this, that wasn't well, controversial. Look, and this is the other thing. It's a good, it's a good discussion. It really is a good discussion. Thank, I do thank you. Okay, so my, okay, the point that I, the point that I was trying so terribly to make is that <laughs> he's not the last five minutes. The last five minutes go to special players. Let's say LeBron, Kobe, MJ. Like, like those are the last five minute guys. Even guys like Reggie Miller, people like that. Free throw makers. Shot makers, like. Free throw makers, shot makers. He and, and this is not a discredit. Like he's an MVP. He's not there yet. So when right. I was saying it, when I was saying he needs his like he's Pippen. He needs his 
Jordan, that means that, well, no, he's closer to Shaq. That needs a coat. And my guys, you're forgetting that the main point is last five minutes of the game ain't time right. for him to shine. Not right. And so that turned into a I think that's valid. I think, I think that's a valid, valid point and a valid discussion until, you know, otherwise proven wrong. You know, it's going to be on him to really have to take that next step. But I think well, if I Milwaukee wants to Other, keep him. Otherwise, until proven wrong, that could be years. And, and, and if Milwaukee if Milwaukee wants to keep him, this this offseason is going to be big and who they can go get. Because, you know, it really hurt them that they don't have Brogdon. I mean, Brogdon would have been really important in that series uh, playing against all those guards. I mean, think about it. The Heat had none, Hero, Dragic, Butler. Uh, you got Bam out of bio making plays. Robinson. You got Olenek making plays. You got Crowder, 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 Crowder. Crowder right off the draw. I mean, they they have so many different guys. Igadala making plays for people. So they had so much skill and versatility on the floor. And I thought that's where they really beat them in that series is because I think um, you know. And again, this isn't to knock the, the personnel from the Bucks. It's just I feel like those guys are more two-dimensional, one-dimensional players, whether they're a spot-up guy or, or a spot-up guy that can guard, you know, whatever it may be. But they didn't have that three-dimensional guy who could shoot, play, make, and defend, you know, and really do all of those things that I think Giannis needs next to him. And if Giannis gets that next to him, you think he's playing at an MVP level now. Think about that. Like, what he's doing now is amazing. If he gets a guy like that, you can forget about it. Speaking of Giannis, since we're on this, um... Do we think that Giannis is going to stay in Milwaukee? Nope. No. He said he was. Why, why not, Channing? Why, yeah, why not? Channing, why not? Channing, why not? I don't. Because I think that other players on other teams smell that there's blood in the water in Milwaukee and are going to go recruit him and say, <laughs> hey, man, come here. Look what we could give you. Like, for instance, for instance, if I'm Damian Lillard, I'm getting his number right now. Listen. Look what we can do here. Could you imagine Damian Lillard and, and Giannis on the same team? Right? Also, that would be scary. as much as people don't, scary, right? What is, what is Bradley Beal doing? Bradley Beal or John Wall's like, hey, one of them probably on different phones, like, hey, we can get rid of the <laughs> other one. <laughs> right? Think about my, hey, Miami, for instance, says, hey, listen, you need some dogs around you, right? You are a pit bull messing with some golden retrievers. Come on out the yard and come run with us. We're a different type of people. Toronto, you know, Masai's like, listen, look what we do here every single year and be, be here with your people. people, right? Right? It's going to hey, be a, a lot, lot of yeah, people. It's, 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 there's a lot of people. I want to start my own basketball league, and I'm going to see if I can sign him to some sort of ownership and play. Too many people want him. Too many teams can say, like, because guards need somebody like Giannis. You can put Giannis at the five, and you can have a guy, and I'm obviously I live in Portland, so I'm going to say the Blazers. You have Giannis at the five, you, four, three, two, you could do whatever you want there. That one five screen roll is nasty. You can't switch oh. that. You can't double team oh. that. What do you, you it's know what I'm saying? And that's what yeah. I mean. And, and we, what we don't talk about is Giannis has his own signature shoe now. So you think Nike wants him to be in Milwaukee and that crappy city? Oh. Think about where they need him oh. in these big-time cities. Oh. Shots fired. Shots. Milwaukee is not a good city. It is in the summer. Richard. Oh. Fire. As, 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 as much as you love beer. As much as you love beer. It is great. I live in right? Portland. 
What? Hey, in the words of Joe Kim Honestly? Noah, I don't know anybody that vacations in Milwaukee during the summer. Hey now, hey now, get off my <laughs> Cleveland, okay? Get off my Cleveland. I switched it to Milwaukee. Up next on Road Trippin'. Let Hendrix or Little Fizz or Little Richard say that on the podium and then come back to the room that I'm staying. I'm going to have some words uh, for him. He could I'm like, <laughs> 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 Hey, Fizz, I do have a question. Jamal Murray and Jason Tatum. Everybody outside the basketball world likes to say they're super, they're turning into superstars. Do you agree? Is it both or is it one? Which one do you think is closer to that next level? Both guys, both of them are like really sensational young players. And I, I think, you know, I do think if you look West, you know, that generation, that kid is the guy out West right now uh, when it comes to playmaking and excitement. Obviously, he's a little younger than Dame and those guys. So I'd say for that generation. And I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I look at it this way. Both guys will be all-stars for the rest of their career. Will they win a title? I don't know. But their team will always be in the mix. And I think that, that both guys will be all-stars the rest of the way and we'll be, you know, watching them go into the hall. Barring injury. Yeah, well, no. Yeah, no, Jason Tatum, Channing, he he's he has a lot he's more room different. to go, but that kid, he's so smooth. It's he's so serious. smooth. But Jamal Murray, oh. I just want to see these time, these same type of shooting efforts not in the bubble. That's the only – and that's not a knock on him. That's not a criticism of him. It's just you saw so many elevated numbers, and I want to see him go for back-to-back 40 pieces like in a normal arena, right? Because then mm-hmm. that's when you start to be like – because people were kind of questioning it, like, hey, these shooting numbers – these lightings, these are shooting rims, there's no fans, there's no nothing. So right. certain players were able to elevate their game. Now, it's about maintaining that. Because we've seen Jason Tatum put up these numbers outside the bubble, right? We haven't seen Jamal Murray put on these numbers outside the bubble. So that's the <laughs> next step for him. As a coach, what do you say to Michael Porter Jr.? I was just uh, going after there. After his little press conference. <laughs> were you? I was, We all yeah. are in the media. Yeah. What do you say to him? Yeah. I know what I would say to him as a what, do you, what would you say to Michael Porter Jr. as a coach? Uh, did you hear what he said, basically? Like, no, you know, I didn't, I the rock what he, so, oh. he, he had He had 15 points in the first half, none in the second half. The reporter asked him, hey, was there something that you were doing differently? He's like, no, there wasn't anything that they were doing. I just, need, uh, I just didn't, you know, get any shots. Uh, he said, you know, that's up to the coaches and, and my teammates. He goes, you know, we have to do more than just, and again, I'm paraphrasing, so when this airs on altitude, don't don't get all fired up, people. Um, when they say, uh, he goes that I feel like we can't just play through uh, Jokic and Jamal Murray. We have to move the ball around a little bit more. So he said that as a rookie. What do you think, Coach? Um, I think. <laughs> I think. How would you? I, I'm saying, I, respectfully, how would you handle a player how, like how, that? But I handle it. I would. I would bring him in, and I would sit him down, and I would say, I would teach him that that's not how you handle that in that moment as a rookie. 
Um, and really, overall, as a professional, it really has to go bad when you start talking about your coach uh, at, at the press conference. But I don't feel like any rookie uh, should be sitting up on that podium talking about their coach in, in that situation. You go into his office, and that's what I would be telling him. Hey, I don't care if I'm your coach or another guy's coaching you or you're talking about your teammates. You go to those guys face-to-face, man-to-man, eye-to-eye, and you talk to them about it, and you deal with it that way instead of uh, airing your laundry out you know, publicly. Uh, it's not like this is something that's continuously happened to him all year where he's just had a great game going, and all of a sudden he's getting froze out every game by these guys. You're talking about maybe a one or two time instance and something like that doesn't deserve to be blown up publicly. So I would try to use it as a teachable moment. Um, you know, luckily for him, this is not the old NBA where the, the locker room door would have probably got locked and, Ooh. you know, them old veterans would have had their way. I was going to say, you guys, you guys took it to a coaching angle and aspect. I was thinking yeah. of what the vibe now is inside that locker room and how do you manage it? Yeah. Well, let, let me say this, that that Denver locker room, it was, you know, one of the, the last locker room I am. It's a very good locker room, right? Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Paul Millsap, Jokic, Will Bard, they're all really, really good dudes. They're good people, first and foremost. So I wouldn't worry about, I don't know Porter Jr. very well, uh, even guys like Monte Morris and, 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 you know, just all of that line of guys. I don't know him that well. I would just say that those guys will have conversations. They'll have conversations. Paul Millsap would definitely be the guy if I were to pick to be like, yo, young fella, this is how it goes. Go about You got to go about it. I'm not saying you got to apologize, but these are all the reasons why you don't do that, right? And yeah, right. it just yeah. look like these are your teammates. And you're also talking about a guy that went 40, 40, 50, right? And you're talking about guys that like were literally just balling and an all NBA guy in Jokic. And so, you know, it's a teachable hey, moment. I, I think that's the best hey, way to say it, Coach. Even, even more than that, not just that, they do it every single night for the team. They carry in that yeah. weight every night. And so, you know, of course, yeah, you young fella, you having a great game and you rolling and you want to keep rolling and it doesn't work out for you. Um, you know, I get that you get frustrated, but that's just you don't handle it that way. I think this is a good way for him to learn. Like you said, he's got good teammates He's got a couple good veterans over there that can reel him in. I know some of the coaches on that staff, Wes Unsell Jr., yeah. you know, uh, John Beckett, a bunch of guys, uh, Georgie, all of those guys. Those guys, will, they'll get around him and make sure he understands, you know, how to, how to be a pro when it comes to these moments and then get the team rebooted and ready to go. For me, as a 1920-year-old, he doesn't see the game as in its entirety. He only sees it when the ball is in his hands. Right. And so for me, it's a, and like you said, coach, it's a teaching moment. Hey, he has 44 shots on two assists because when things get nervous, <laughs> he goes back to, right. But no, no, but like it's not a bad thing. He's talented. I think he's going to be really point, good. Though. But like Great point. Uh, when he goes like this, his, hey, he get them blinders on and he just shoots it because he doesn't yep. know hey. another skill at the NBA level. But he's so damn talented that he just oh. is like, uh, oh, shoot it. <laughs> wait, wait, Jay, so Jay, can, I add, can I add one more? Can, yeah, and I'm going to add one more thing. With all of the stuff going on in this bubble, you're allowed to bring one person in. He brought his dad. He brought his dad, Aww, which I yeah. think is great for young. No, 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 no. But wait a second yeah. here. You know, I think it's great. I think it was super intelligent. Like, bring your dad. Him and his dad watch film together. Like, I respect that. That is awesome. Fizz. 
Channing, let Hendrix or Little Fizz or Little Richard say that on the podium and then come back to the room that I'm staying. I'm going to have some words Look, for him. He can I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> get your Get your ass in here. What the hell are you doing? Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, don't you ever Listen. Don't say s like that. No, but that's what I'm Denver saying, though. So, ready? Look. And, and, Oh, go ahead. So my, my thing about teachable it is his dad moment. being there is that like it's a teachable <laughs> moment. But we don't know if his dad is putting the battery pack in him or is going to yank yeah. him by his shirt. That's the point that I was trying to make is that yeah. we don't know what's happening. And look, I love the fact that his dad is there. But when you have these people that are having really, really big impacts that are kind of with you, good things can get into your ear and also, you know, conversely, bad things can get into your ear. But yeah, I know that little rich. It would be that too. It would be like, yo, man, be your, oh, yeah. your, what is wrong with you? You don't talk about your teammates <laughs> or your coach like that. Oh, oh yes. what's of- crazy is, is Denver's ready to make him third, fourth man, right? After Jokic and Jamal Murray. So chill, like, Hey, be aggressive, learn. If you have a gripe, Talk, but they're ready to he get seems like a guy that's in a sense, right? Once. You're the man. Channing, let someone yeah. tell you to chill. I love it. Let someone tell you to chill. When? <laughs> I have been told to chill many a times. <laughs> hey, during the NBA Finals, they told me to chill. I said, go. I said, go. <laughs> Up next on Road Trippin', you still want to be a head coach, right? Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I might scare him off with the, the fro might scare him right now. I don't know. <laughs> I do want to get your predictions. I did predictions, Fizz, with Channing and Richard during or right after the start of game one of round one. So I just want to know who you guys think Channing will start with you. Who do you think is coming out of the East? Who do you think is coming out of the West? And who's your overall champion at this stage? Oh, I got I got Boston. Damn, I I do got Boston (laughs) Lakers. And I think this is I think Boston is going to win. Fizz. Yeah. Did I, you say you think Boston is going to win the title? <laughs> yeah. I'm just double checking so I'll make I sure I got everybody's predictions right. Before I pick them, I'll say this. This is the, I would say, the best uh, that I've seen the top of the East when it comes to guys that can come out of the East in a long time. I mean, this is really up for grabs. But I'm going to go with my, I'm going to be a homer and go with my <laughs> Heat guys. The reason why is because I actually think the Heat have the deepest team left from top to bottom. I think they can run a lot of different guys at you, especially if they get into you uh, uh, defensively. I think they, uh, they a lot of different guys can get going for them uh, offensively. They don't always depend on the same guy every single night. They've got a closer, uh, and I think having a coach that's that's you know been there obviously helps. Uh, although all of those coaches that's left a big time in the West, I've said it from the beginning and I still believe it. I think the Clippers are the team uh, to come out of the West. And the reason I say that is because I think they have the most bodies to throw at LeBron. LeBron is like Giannis. I feel like when you play against these guys, you got to have three to five guys that you can put on them that they just don't blow right through and that they just go right past every single play, guys that can actually wage a war against them. And so 
I feel like the Clippers have multiple guys that can do that. Uh, they got the kind of toughness that you're going to need to keep coming at a Laker team like that. Um, you know, I think ultimately it's going to come down to AD, you know, and, and what AD ends up showing up and what he ends up doing that decides it. But I'm going Clippers and Miami. Clippers and Miami. Okay. See, and here I was just going to give a quick pick and no explanation. But since you guys want an explanation, <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Clippers. I'm going to go with Clippers and Heat with Clippers winning. Uh, that's it. My my sleeper. The Boston Celtics are still my sleeper, but I think, like you said, the Heat are too deep at every position. You got Duncan Robinson, you got Tyler Hero, who are both dead eye. They, uh, Tyler can do multiple things with the ball. You got so many guys: Jay Crowder shooting the ball well, Jimmy shooting the ball better, uh, Andre can knock down a, a key shot, Bam yeah. Adebayo, Kelly Olynyk. Have so many pieces they can interchange. And the Clippers are very similar. So that's my thing. Nunn. Kendrick Dunn, again, like I look at their team. Um, as far as the Lakers, I um, I think they're trash. I, I can't believe they've made it this far. Uh, I was expecting a sweep by Portland in the first round. And so since that it, I'm just going to continue down that route. That's just my personal opinion. I don't like their leadership. I don't like their top two players. Um, but really, that's just kind of where I stand. I can't, I can't wait for people to say you love Braun so much that now you're doing reverse psychology on him. I love it. Um, all right, Fizz, we don't want to take too much more of your time. Uh, we appreciate you coming on Road Trip, and this has been so much fun. I do want to just make sure that everyone does know you still want to be a head coach, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love coaching. Like, you going to get a head coaching is... job coming up. Oh man, yeah, I don't know. I might scare him off with the go. the fro might scare him right now. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, I, I love coaching. I, I I've been I, I, I was laughing with Spo the other day. It's been, you know, we're talking twenty plus years. I've been coaching basketball, and so yeah, I would love to get another shot. You know, whoever that may be with, I you know, I, I definitely want to do it some more, and uh, you know, hopefully the next time I can. Uh, you know, really push a team to become a great basketball team. How has this time been for you really quick? I have to ask since you mentioned it like that in terms of staying ready. You know, you hear it as a player, but on the coaching side yeah. of things and given the climate of the world right now, has that been tough, challenging? Um, I'm a homebody anyway, so it's, it's real easy for me and my wife's pregnant. So staying home and staying out of the way has actually been pretty easy for me. Uh, you know, with the climate of the coaching industry right now and all of the jobs that's opening, uh, you know, I don't feel like I, I control that part of it for me right now is going to be which teams have interest in me and which teams want me. And if there's no team right now. That's okay because here I am totally focused on the birth of my son. That's going to happen early December. And, you know, like you said, every time he gets out of line, I can snatch him up, Rich, and teach him. You don't talk about your teammates on the podium. And, you know, I'm really focused on that right now. I'm just really focused on and focused on what's going on in the world from the criminal justice standpoint and social injustice standpoint. Like, you know, I think, I don't, I think all of us have to be somewhat involved in that. Uh, to a certain extent, and I just happen to be really deep into that right now and trying to impact getting people out to vote and getting some policies changed so young brothers aren't getting killed in the street, brothers and sisters aren't getting killed in the street by cops. 
Again, Fizz, your resume speaks for itself on the court, who you are as an individual, as you just mentioned, uh, what you're looking to do to impact and create that change. We appreciate you. Again, I said you're one of the best walking sound bites. You're a phenomenal human being. I will say Richard and Channing are making a run at that when it comes to sound bites and being in the media space. Uh, so just make sure. That's a tough, tough, that's a tough two to compete with. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> who you I wish... I wish we could really, really, if you could, if we could actually film us really having a conversation and hanging out, oh, now that would be, man. that might make, that might win an award. Like our that might win an award. Hey, I want you guys to meet my dog. This is Magic. What is that? Oh, I, Magic! Hey! hey. My little man. Adorable. Oh, Fizz, you're the best. Thank you so much. See you, All right, guys. Thanks for having me. It's another edition of Road Trip. See, Trippin'. see ya.